Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu. And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros. And RevOps pros. Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of OpsCast brought to you by the MoPros. I'm Michael Hartman. I'm joined today by my co-host, Mike Rizzo. Hey, everybody. This is going to be a special one. Yes, this is a little bit of a different one. I'm not sure if our audience or the majority of our audience is going to like us or hate us. And I suspect it's going to be one of the two and not much in the middle. So today we thought it would be interesting. And we've got some kind of I have some at least some real time kind of experience lately, but we're going to talk a little bit about how can vendors, so those people who are trying to sell to us in marketing ops, how can they do a better, how can they improve their chances of getting through to us and getting our attention and going through that process? So like I said, we may regret this, but here we go. Mike, are you ready? I am ready. I was just still try- I was still actively trying to recruit somebody to join us in the last minute just to like get the salesperson's perspective. Uh, I think yeah. we'll do another episode. We'll see we'll see how far we can take this. This will be this <laughs> so this will be interesting. I I, I know so if, the, if those of you who are listening to this, definitely whether it's on our the LinkedIn post that will go out with this or just somewhere in the in the the MoPros community or the Slack channel or whatever, definitely I'm going to want to hear your feedback about this. What did we get right? What did we get, we get wrong? What secrets we should we have kept our mouth closed about? Like all that stuff, right? We need to, <laughs> we're going to need to get all of that feedback. Uh, but as, but, but truly, I think this is one that would, I think we would all like to improve our experience um, with vendors. And I'm sure we've all had really, really good experiences. And we've probably all had ones where like, I want to shoot this person. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I literally before it's funny, like right before we started recording this, I told you, Michael, I was like, yep, just wrapped up a uh, demo call. And so, you know, I wanted to sync with the team real quick. And the first thing I said to the team before we decided to record this opscast was that is an example of how not to give a demo. <laughs> Ouch. The, whole team, the whole team was like, yeah, it was hard to follow. And I told him he zoned out. And I was like, yeah, I I was very like. It was it was very methodical, and I almost fell asleep. It was bad. <laughs> Ouch, that hurts. Well, yeah. so I, I think I've got a real example. I actually, like, on my own, was doing some research, and I reached out recently to two different vendors. Kind of, two, they're, they're sort of two big competitors in the space I was looking at. I won't talk about who they were because it doesn't matter. But it's it's really striking the examples here. So one. Submitted a request and still almost two weeks later, haven't, haven't heard back from them. Um, and that's after doing the hand raiser form, right? Contact me. I'm interested in talking to somebody in sales. I finally submitted a second request today, basically saying, Hey, look, I've already asked for something. Can you send something to me? So first off, like if you're not responding to people, you're going to lose business. Right. And this is a problem that we hear about all the time. Like, actually, it's one of our jobs. This, this touches on something that's super interesting, right? Like, we're going to go on a tangent on this just for a second. But like, our job as a marketing ops, rev ops person is to ensure that the lead gets to the to the team. And and like, there's a part of that story, Michael, that you just started telling right now where I'm like, oh, I wonder if they just have a break in their system. Right. And it just like literally didn't get to them. 
And, and like now this mops or rev ops person has to go figure it out. Cause someone's going to find out like in six weeks that Michael Hartman tried to contact them. Right. And the salesperson's going to come kick down the door and be like, what the hell, where are my leads at? And it's going to be like bad. part of our job. Well, so it's interesting. <laughs> so this particular vendor, I intentionally went to, went to the about us, contact us page. I intentionally skipped the very prominent request a demo that was ah. all over the site. So yeah. it will be interesting to see if this is a breakdown. Um, it's now become like a, you know, now I'm curious to see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe what I'll do next is I'll go request a demo and see if that happens faster. But oh, I don't really, I actually totally don't do really that. want a demo. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, I'm familiar. I don't really want the demo. Right. I mean, that's why we do our no bullshit demos, right? Like, cause nobody really wants to do a demo. Right. <laughs> well, it, especially if they're, like the one you just executed. <laughs> yeah. Like let's just cut to the chase. Answer, answer the questions that I kind of care about most. That's why we do those things. But yeah. anyway, shameless plug. <laughs> right. Well, so the, the, uh, so, okay. So let's try, let's compare that to the other vendor that I, and basically exact same time submitted requests. So first off, they got back to me quickly and not only they gave me quick, got back, did they get back to me quickly? It was the sales rep that already has a relationship with our company. Um, mm-hmm. and, he did, he did two things, right? He, a, he responded quickly, and B, he told me, we already have a relationship with your company, and these are the people who already we work with there. So he See, and that's a good system right there. Yeah. So, which I, you know, I appreciate that because I have had scenarios, especially at larger companies, where a salesperson knows absolutely that another part of the business has a, has a contract and relationship, but doesn't talk about it because they know that we're not very good at big companies about communicating this stuff to each other or figuring out if somebody else has a, already has a, a relationship. And so he already won a lot of points because mm-hmm. he did that. Um, so even though I did finally have a conversation with them today, I'd already had internal conversations and um, frankly, like it was not a demo this morning. It was more of them doing an inquisition with me, which I didn't appreciate at the same time. I was more because of how they handled the initial stuff, I was more than willing to cut them some slack. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, right? Like they're doing they're they're allowing you to go do a little discovery internally. It also helps them. Right. Like, cause you know, especially at the enterprise level, right. We're, we're talking about, you know, uh, the diligence, like due diligence, security reviews, all of those things that you kind of have to go through. And if like, if an organization's already got a contract one with you, to some degree, that should be like a signal to you as the potential buyer that like, all right, well, if I, if I need a tool and this, this solves a certain percentage of the need, then I, at least I know I can get through procurement <laughs> a little easier because we already have an agreement in place. Oh, and I haven't even, like, I don't even know what that process is like. And I was trying to like limit my need to go through that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's a big definitely. win. It's a, it's a good move on their part. So, so tip number one for the sales orgs out there, build a system that, you know, uh, lets you know when a contract is already in place. <laughs> well, and don't, and don't, don't play games with this stuff. Right. I, I, like I said, I have had people who, uh, I have come to find out later after we've gone down a pretty far on a path of negotiation or even getting all the way through to contract that, Oh, this other part of our business already had a contract and no one bothered to stand up and say that happened. Now that may not have been intentional, but I, like, I don't 
believe that was the case in most of those scenarios. Um, and I think that gets to like one of the critical things for me as a buyer. I want someone who's there who's going to be direct, honest, um, even to the point of being willing to walk away if there's really not a match. Right, say so we're really not going to be able to do what you need us to do. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really ap- appreciate it when an organization understands, uh, you know, the value that they bring and when it's going to be too difficult. And, and like, look, it's hard. Not every sales rep is fully educated on, um, you know the the value that they can bring to a, to a team, right? Especially if they're just learning a tool, um, maybe they're a little junior in their career. And and then in addition to that, um, it's incredibly difficult to, to walk away from something when you're entirely incentivized by just getting the deal across, right? And doing deal, deal desk stuff. And so if the sales org is not really thinking about retention numbers and most aren't right. Um, then, or if their leadership isn't thinking about like measuring some sort of retention, then that's, you know, what you end up with. Right. But, but yeah, I would totally appreciate if somebody was like willing to walk away, if there just wasn't a fit and that takes some understanding and like scope of work, right. Like scoping out your needs and all that stuff. Yeah. I think, and, and probably the reality is I, I'm, I, even though I said that I actually am trying to rack my brain right now to think of a scenario where I had that happen. And I'm sure I have, uh, but I cannot think of an example right off the top of my head. But it, it, you know, I think that shows a sign of confidence and everything else. It's not. It's not. Um, you know, it, it's like anything else, right? The, if you, if you, eventually that lie or that you know kind of overstatement or whatever is going to come back and bite you, right? Because <laughs> right. yeah, you know, a big part. Like there was, I still think about my first experience buying. Being or, or you know being a buyer for marketing automation platform in this case it was Eloqua, and I to this day would tell you this person who sold to me it was the salesperson and a relatively small deal compared you know this was Eloqua so it was on the higher end we were relatively small um, the amount of work that she had to put in to get the deal over the over the you know to the point where I was actually feeling bad for her and it was being driven mostly by my management asking a mm. bunch of additional questions and she just did, got in and jumped in with me and help, you know, go through everything and make sure that we understood what we were really getting, um, what we really could do, what we couldn't do without additional, you know, that I would, in fact, I have, she has since moved on to other companies. I have reached out to her just to, find out more about it because I thought so highly of that experience of the experience that she yeah. actually provided you. It was like very consultative and hands-on. Absolutely. Versus... Yeah. 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 And it I was, think that's the right way to sell to it, to, to this particular role. Right. It's just like, like we, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but like, we're typically we're pretty well educated on how stuff works and we have usually a pretty clear scope of, uh, by the time we're going to find tools, you know, we've probably done a bunch of research. I don't know about you, but I typically go do a ton of research. Absolutely. A lot of buyers do this. Right? Absolutely. A lot of buyers do it. But like, we definitely fall into the category of like, all right, 
I think it's an easy blanket statement to say that this role, marketing ops, rev ops, sales ops, whatever, uh, tends to do a lot of research. And by the time they're reaching out to us, um, it's like, I kind of have really specific questions. Like I actually really only care about, can you do this thing? Not, can you hack away to do this thing? Like, can, can you do this thing or not? And can we just get into the, like, bring the solutions engineer onto the call right <laughs> right away? Don't give me the AE the first time unless that AE happens to be pretty technical or well-versed. Like, let's bring that solutions engineer in. Let's start talking, like, technical because I need to get into it and make a decision and get out. <laughs> yeah, and, and by the way, don't start that that conversation with your regular sales pitch deck that tells me about the history of your company because, honestly, I don't really give a shit. What the NASCAR slide? Right, like I know, like you've got all these logos that you sold to. Hooray for you! Doesn't yeah. help me move the needle. Yeah, the only time that slide here, salespeople, the only time that slide is ever valuable is when I've selected you and one other competitor, and my leadership says, "Well, who else is their customer?" And then I say, "Well, they're working with this kind of customer that's just like us." they go, great, can you get a reference? And then the, the wheel starts over again. <laughs> Absolutely, right? So, But otherwise, I don't retain the customers. It is not impressive. I've done my research. I want to know if your tool can do it. I don't care if anybody else is using it. I care if someone else is using it after I've decided that you're one of the two right. that I'm going to buy. <laughs> well, and, and I think nowadays, especially with communities like the MoPros, you know, we have another way of getting that backdoor information about who's already using it and actually learning more about, you know, what's what's real and what's BS, right? So um, you, you yeah. don't want to go in assuming that we don't know anything. I think that's probably the key, right, is that we've probably done some homework. Very rarely have we not done a fair amount of digging to understand what we think it is. Um yeah, totally. Yeah. I, this week alone, I've seen, you know, at least, I don't know, five, 10 questions come through about pricing strategies from certain competitors or whether or not, you know, uh, a particular solution for referrals can integrate well into HubSpot, you know, and people are giving these bits of feedback and experiences. And so it's immediately giving someone um, this this decision to make like, oh, well, maybe I won't work on like maybe I won't go check that one out because it doesn't sound like it's as uh, attractive as the marketing site right. says that it is. <laughs> well, okay. So this brings Which me, okay. this brings me to another one of my sort of, uh, you know, I guess I'll get on my sandbox and it, shout out about this one is that by the way, your websites generally suck. Totally. They do not tell me what the, what in the world your product or service does. Yep. And That's usually how it goes. It's the fluff, right? right? I mean, I'm look, I'm a marketer first by trade, right? I've been in I, I came through the marketing ops landscape and I've been in it this this whole part of my career and in integrating, you know, doing deep integrations and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I, I totally went deep into like what is growth marketing and what is all this stuff about? And I definitely skew towards like the marketer side of marketing ops and I get it. You got to build stuff that's attractive, but as a owner of this community and someone who fully respects the buying process that we want to go through, yeah, I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, right. 
let's do some no bullshit demos and you you tell me exactly what you do and let me give that to this community because i don't want to no i'm not going to your website this is not going to (laughs) happen well if i go to your website and you're making me work to translate the big flowery words that you're using describe what your product does yeah and not really telling me like i want I don't want it to be hard for me. And so, by the way, by the way, this is not unique. I think to technology, B two B technology companies, I think B two B websites, just in general, are pretty crummy at this because they. I, I can't remember. There was one the other day that I looked at, and I can't remember exactly what it was. But I, I walked away going like, I someone had recommended this platform too, and I, and I can't. I think it was more of a personal thing, and I was like, I couldn't tell you what they do. I've gone through the website, spent 10, 15 minutes, and I don't know what it is they do. Hey, everyone. It's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excelevents. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly hard to to build a... uh, marketing website b2b or otherwise that makes that gives any sense of clarity i mean i've seen it done well of course but like it seems like all the tech companies you know tend to skew towards like well you know what inevitably happens is you get design involved and brand involved right because it is your forward-facing design and brand and those things are tremendously important don't get me wrong yep um but when i hit a site in this particular audience, if you happen to be primarily selling to this particular audience, the feeling that your site gives me is way less interesting to me than what your product actually can do. Right. Right. And so, you know, and this, it's funny cause I was just sharing this with this company that I advise and I said, um, you know, our, this brand that you're building, I don't, it's a little, this is like a little bit too busy for me. And I, I need a little bit more clarity on not just what you do, but just like create some breathing room here. And I really did go into this like sense of feeling about the brand, mm-hmm. but it's funny because like they sell to this audience and, and I still like, I lightly touched on it, but it was all, it actually had less to do with the way that I feel and more to do with freeing up my mind space, like letting me try to understand and not creating more chaos for me and just like be clear, be transparent and be straightforward. Simple language, right? Yeah. And like open up some breathing room between all of the stuff you're trying to, to throw at me because I'm looking for answers. And so 
there's a there's a component of that that is about brand and the way that you feel when you experience the information that's on the page. But it's not this like, ooh, look how cool it is. They look really trendy or I identify with that because it uses those colors. Like it's less about that and more about the cognitive, like emotional feeling that I get uh, where like, oh, you respect that I have intelligence. Well, and not not, not only that, so there's actually like a physiological challenge that goes with you know, your brain actually burns more calories the harder you're having to think and interpret and so there was an interesting book that i never ended up finishing that we were doing sort of a book club at my last company and we started it and it sort of petered out but it was called uh building a story brand or how to build a story brand some people may know about it but i what i remember from an early part of it was this like imagine your customers your prospects are coming to your website and that like that their brain is like on a treadmill, right? Mm. And the harder your site is to navigate or to read or to understand is like that, the the speed on that treadmill is just going up and they're working harder and harder. And eventually they're going to get too tired and they're going to go away. Yeah. And it, and it was such a great image for me. Like I remembered that. And so. It, I think it, it's a really good message. Yeah. Like without a doubt. I, it's, it's funny though. Cause like, as you're saying that I'm reflecting back on the very first website that I ever built for myself where I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this agency thing. I'm going to see, I'm going to see if I could be an agency. And so I was like, just like experimenting. And I did these like little Easter eggs like on the site and I actually kind of called attention to it. So it was like a little less of an Easter egg. And I put like, Hey, if you find the like one logo on our site that like, uh, you know, and you click on it, like there's going to be like a, a free something or whatever, like as if anybody was ever going to like go troll through all my pages <laughs> and try to click on this thing. Right. So like, okay. Yeah. So they're on a treadmill. They don't want to run any faster. I get it. <laughs> so, well, the, well, that one reminds me of another, one of my favorites. And I, I pull this out every time I get somebody who's trying to be too clever with a website is mm. um, it, some people might be familiar with the guy. He's like a, uh, and I guess an artist is the best way to put it. It goes by the name of his website is the oatmeal. And you, I think you have to, have oh, yeah. Done. oh yeah. So he has one, uh, strip comic strip that says it's titled something like how a website design goes to hell. And it is the oh. funniest thing. Right. Um, and it, <laughs> I like, I wish I could, I wish I could just like, Share. I know it's audio only, but like the oatmeal is fantastic. Oh I can only imagine the oatmeal is a great. If you need a break, like you just need a, a moment to just get your sarcasm fix. Yeah. Um, and you're not offended easily by language. Yeah. Then I highly recommend the oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's super good. I would love, I got to get my hands on that one. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. We could do those two, right? Here's the story brand. So you can be the intellectual guy or you can go to the oatmeal and just laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we touched on both ends of the spectrum today. Absolutely. That's funny. Uh, okay. So uh, I've got sort of two other things that, that I've got kind of thinking about. And I, maybe, maybe you've got more, Mike, but I'll, I'll throw them out there and maybe we can decide how we want to go. But so one is when and how do you talk about pricing? Right. Do you put it on your website? So that's number one. Another one mm. is maybe a little more for our friends who are doing cold outreach. Right. So how do you approach a, a marketing ops person? Say you're sending them a cold outreach through LinkedIn or an email or whatever. Right. How do you how do you get our attention? Thoughts on which you want to cover first, because I think they're both meaty. Oh, they are both really meaty. Um, I, I yeah, I think we'll start with pricing. Um, 
Now, you want me to answer that as a buyer and as a marketing ops buyer? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you can, if you want to have to take the other side too, I'm more than happy to listen to you. And then I'll shoot no, you down. No, no. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, no, as a marketing ops buyer, I, I definitely appreciate price transparency. Um, I... I, I sort of like, I understand the language enterprise pricing inquire below, right? Um, I get it. It's yep. probably expensive and that's fine. Um, but giving us a sense of like average contract size even is even better. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think there's an extreme of this that I personally would appreciate, which is like, on your pricing page, if you gave me a mechanism to sort of compare myself and say like, Hey, companies of this size on average pay X for this product. Oh my gosh, that'd be a game changer, right? Like I can see all day long what your, like your monthly pricing kind of model is or whatever. Yep. Uh, and maybe you can pad it by 20% just because you know, you're going to discount by 20%. Like right. go for it. I don't care, Right. but it'd be great. Build a pricing page that tells me like companies of this size typically pay this plus 20% and, Give me a sense of what I need to reach out to you about. Well, or, or if you, like, so I very often, like, I appreciate that some, some vendors, they're like, they sell things in different sort of mixes, right? You know, you say you've got one capability or you've got multiple capabilities and they're sort of sold in different tiers. And there's also like uh, uh, the number of users or the number of visitors or the, like all the, there are things that affect how their pricing model yeah. works, right? At least, tell me what those are like what are the main drivers right and where can yeah. we, like where do we have control over you know where that goes it, it, i think that is what i want i think that level of transparency would be super interesting i mean i sound like a buffoon saying that you know like oh you want me so think about this from put your put your business owner cap on right for a second mike and uh me mike <laughs> not you mike it's okay and uh and so you know here i sound like a a, a fool okay mike you're telling me you want someone to be able to come to my website, including my competitors, <laughs> and see, oh yeah, companies of this size on average pay this. They might not know how many companies I have in my in my organization like subscribe to us, but I generally am like giving away like my competitive information by just like broadly telling all my competitors, like, yeah, here's what people typically pay for us. Guess guess what? If they if your competitors wanted to really know, they can find oh, yeah, out. They're coming. Are you kidding? Oh, I will not say who, where, when, or how, or any of the logistics of this, but I once worked on a team where there was a persona created and that persona went and signed up and got demos of every competitive product in the market that competed with that product. And then the competitive Intel like decks were built and it was, it was really impressive. Like you, you sort of feel sleuthy. I mean, it's not illegal, right? No. It, but it's like... You well, know, that's, that's but it's real. It's a real thing. If you want to know, they'll they'll get it done. Well, th th that one always sort of falls into the same one. Back in the day when I was helping to build um, some, like, we we I was working at a company, happened to be an enterprise company that wanted to really drive top line revenue growth, but they, historically it always had a, a kind of a corresponding uh, growth in costs for support. And so they were looking for ways to try to bend that cost curve, right? So not reduce costs, but avoid some costs so they could capture more of the, the growth. 
And one of the things I found and it really pitched hard was the idea of um, essentially what would probably be now called community, right? But, you know, like a, a, a place where customers could help each other out. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a ton of worry about, you know, how, what that might expose, that the wrong answer might get out there. Um, oh, yeah. Or that, that, that the, every scenario was unique, right? But that wasn't the, really the case. And what was really interesting as we dug into it is what we found out is people in support, guess what they all had on their own computer? Like their own little knowledge base. Mm, and a few of them yeah. shared it, right? It was usually a Word doc or something like that. We're like, why don't we make this available? And we don't want to do it. And there's actually a, a methodology and an organization that's behind this one methodology that I found was great, which is right. So the point is, right, we often assume the worst case with all these things. But I like yeah. I don't know like your your story is one of the only ones I've ever heard about where a company really went to that amount of effort to really you know go after that kind yeah. of information because it wasn't published. Yeah. But they if they again like if they want to, if they want to invest that time and effort, they're going to find it. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It's funny because I've actually seen um I've even seen the other end of it where as a tech company um, this particular tech company knew the, they somehow got a sense of like the referring network or IP address or something of, of the organization. Um, and, and they would not allow that organization to interact with their website. It was really impressive stuff. Like wow. they knew, they knew generally speaking that that was a competitor coming to their site and it effectively just like totally changed the site. And uh, it was funny because, like, that's a I, new use I case like, for personalization. <laughs> it's like block your competitors by IP. Uh, and so it was funny because I, um, it, you know, little little hack is just you know go get yourself a uh, uh, IP masking like solution and like route yourself around the globe, and then you can get around that problem. And it takes all of like five seconds to go download, you know, a browser that'll do that for you. Right, but. It was it was funny because it was like the other end of that uh, that whole like oh well I want to stop my competitors look at the end of the day everybody is going to get what they want if they want it bad enough like they will get there so don't be afraid right. of creating environments for knowledge to be shared uh, which you're seeing a lot less of I think now like community yeah. you're right community is like becoming a forefront of you know learning and yeah you know, people are like less afraid of it so yeah so I think, sure. I think i think the message for for me is you know don't be afraid to share your pricing if you've got a if truly your pricing is too complicated to put on like simply on your website right where you ha- don't have just sort of like three levels of pricing in an enterprise or something like that at least get into a conversation with whoever you're selling to fairly quickly because they're going to want to know because they may or may not have an idea of exactly how much they need to spend or budget um, mm-hmm. so when you're asking them how much you have for budget very often, like today, I, like right now, those two, I mentioned, like, I don't have a specific budget. I'm still mm-hmm. kind of, it's all happening very quickly. And, but yeah, the more you can get me an idea, business case. right. The more I know to go, okay, well, it's a probably about this. And then to yeah. implement, there's a, some additional one-time costs. Right. And then if I'm looking yeah. at it from a longer term standpoint, I need to know what are my recurring costs so I can build, like you said, I, right, build out that business case for it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one of the, 
I don't know, maybe it's not that unique, but I do feel like it is somewhat unique to us as buyers. Like when we're looking to tackle a particular business challenge as a marketing ops, rev ops person, um, we're, you know, we're, we're sort of vetting the solutions that are available. Right. And then, and then we're trying to make a business case. Like sometimes we've discovered a problem and we're trying to go secure budget to fix said problem. And sometimes we're trying to state that said problem will result in a certain amount of ROI. And so the reason we don't have a budget yet is that we are trying to, you know, prove that we should like, we're advocating on your behalf. Like we, we want to be your champion internally. That is so true. But we, yeah, like we definitely want to be your champion, but you need to help us help you kind of a thing. Um, which is very different than the sales methodology of like, I need to understand, you know, what your potential use case is for our tool and like what, what your goals are for your company or whatever. And then I'll figure out like how I want to sell to you. Um, when you're talking to us, I think, you know, this particular audience, it's like, all right, what do you need from me to make this ask for this product? Uh, an easier ask of your leadership team and to be able to go get that budget. Like you just tell me and I'll, I'll, I'll be your partner. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's part of what I really appreciated with that Eloqua salesperson years ago, who basically that was probably the, I think you just summarized like that's what she did. She helped me build the case. She helped me to build the case that ultimately helped her, right. Get her commission yeah. or whatever. Right. So yeah. um, I think that's the right way to do it. And I guess that, that sort of dovetails into your second question, which is does. like, how do you get in the inbox? <laughs> right. Well, how do you get, your, uh, how do you get our attention in the inbox and not where it's, we're just rolling our eyes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, um, I have, I have two answers. One of them is uh, catchy subject lines. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, really cheeky subject lines work really well with me. I don't know. I think I think uh, they do too. I mean, I think be interesting is at least a part of it. Right? Yeah, be interesting is a part of it. I think, and then in the in the copy, like you know, make it really easy for me to scan. Don't make my brain run on that treadmill anymore. Um, make it obvious what you're trying to like get me to do, and don't drone on for like four paragraphs or whatever. Right. I don't have uh, time for that. Yeah. And then the second answer for me is actually, I just, um, I think there's a shift happening and it's really interesting. I learned about this product and I, I do not work, I do not work for this company. So I'm literally just going to share it because I think it's really interesting, but uh, have you heard of gated? No. Okay. It's, it's pretty interesting. They're letting you sort of like take control as a, as an end user of your inbox. Um, and that's like a really fluffy way to, to try to describe them, I think, but why, why it's interesting when you're saying like, Hey, how do you get my attention? Um, what they're doing is they're saying like, this is a free tool for you as an end user to just use this, plug it into your G suite account or whatever. And then if anybody wants to actually reach you and they got your email address, um, you can give them permission to contact you. And then one of the ways you can give them permission is like, make a donation to a charity of my choice. And that's how their platform works. Oh, interesting. So I'm giving you, Michael, permission to talk to me as long as you 
sort of like in a way buy my attention by showing you showing me that I'm worth it to you to go invest in a charity, right? Or something like so that. So that's really interesting. I was gonna bring up like one of the things that I get not all the time, but fairly regularly is, you know, I'll buy I'll give you a, a gift card for Grubhub or I'll give you, you know, I'll buy you a steak dinner or I'll, like whatever. Right. And I honestly could not care less about that stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um and it, it in I fact think, I think some junior, you know, like maybe you know, I'm a single individual right. and like, maybe that's interesting or like, I'm, you know, I got a family, I got to feed with young kids and it's always cool to have like an Amazon gift card or whatever. Right. Or if I can, <laughs> if I could take my girlfriend or wife or boyfriend yeah, to, or, yeah, or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. But I, I think it would be interesting to, to do something like that where instead, right. Do a donation to something that I care about that. That would be more interesting to me than, Totally. Giving I really appreciate that. Like, I don't feel like, so first off, it feels a little bit like being bribed, you know, and like it that, does. Uh, even though it's a small amount and I get it in the world, but at the same time for me, at least for me, at yeah. least, and I don't know if this, this would be one where I would really like to hear feedback from our audience and the folks in the market. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about it when you get those kind of offers? Um, do you, does it make you more likely to take the meeting? Does it turn you off? Like that would be a really interesting Maybe we need. Yeah. To, maybe we need to do a LinkedIn poll, Mike. Yeah, we maybe we do. I knew, I saw uh, what's his name from I think like Rev Genius or whatever. He was asking questions about this. Like, would you get? Would you enjoy getting paid to like take a demo or whatever? And, and I'm sure it has something to do with the business model strategies building, right? Which right. Is, yeah, that's fine. Yes, I want to be paid for my expertise. But it's not because I want someone to give me a demo. I want someone to literally like ask me questions that um, are they're trying to learn from me, right? right? Like not trying to earn from me. <laughs> so this gets to my, it's a difference. this gets to my, I don't know if it's my first or second point, you know, you talked about, you know, have at least have something that's, I'll paraphrase, right. Something interesting in the subject line, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and be direct and to the point. But I also, what I've noticed, and I don't know how much of this is based on automation or how much of it is based on just flat out laziness, um, but you know, if you're going to reach out to me and you haven't actually done a little bit of research to figure out, Hey, this guy's been around doing this for a while. Like if I get the generic, Oh, I'm really interested in selling you X or talk to you about X problem about what you're doing at company Y that's on my profile. Then, and it, well, what's interesting is in my profile. Now I have these communities that I'm active in as uh, where I have sort of a more active role, I would get, re- I was getting people reaching out to me for those as if they were real, like companies where I was a, you know, a paid staff member or something like that. And that is that I was most of the time I would ignore it. There were times when I would kind of look and say, is this is probably somebody who's just trying to make a buck and learning the ropes. And I would actually just send mm-hmm. them a, a, f- a feedback. Hey, look, first off, I'm not interested uh, second off, let me just give you a little bit of advice, right? Don't take this approach, right? And yeah. do just just a little bit of research, right? If you've done, you know, five minutes of research on what, in this case, it was a different community, what was known as Revenue Collective, that you would know that really it's just a community. And that, mm-hmm. by the way, there are staff members there, but I am not one of them. And right. so 
trying to pitch me about what you might be able to do for me at Revenue Collective didn't make any sense. And you would have probably figured that out. Yeah. And so um, I think that, and I get some of those sometimes I, for Mo Pros, right? So it, it, like, just do a little bit of work and don't be lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't be lazy. Like take a minute to try to learn a little bit about, but like, it's hard, right? I get it. It, BDRs, SDRs, AEs, they're all tasked with hitting a number. It's, it is a numbers game. Inevitably, if they're targeting even, you know, remotely the accurate persona or buyer audience, like they're going to get some wins. Um, but you know, I think one of my favorite things that I hear from, from certain startup founders out there is like, do things that don't scale. And particularly like, I think that's applicable in, at kind of any stage of a company, but there are efforts that are worth exercising that don't scale infinitely. Like picking up the phone and, and placing a phone call. I, you know, I don't really want to field your phone call, but like that is something that doesn't scale. Right. And sending a, a, a letter to someone like a, literally a handwritten letter. Yeah. Nowadays, that gets someone's attention because you're like, that never happens. That doesn't scale. Like, if you literally write the letter and you don't do some like printed thing that looks like handwriting, well, there <laughs> that are some, some, of the, some of those like print on demand vendors I've, do yeah, actually have people that will literally handwrite. Like, yeah. So I don't know what the pricing so is. But... So it scales in the sense that they're doing it for you. Right. But it's still, from a, even from like a cost per acquisition kind of perspective, that's, that's more expensive than sending an email. Absolutely. Right. So, and it's slow. So I, I think slower, like harder to track. Yeah. Right. All those things. Yeah. Take the time. Do the research. You know. Try to get to know why, or like me, or or just like realize that you shouldn't be reaching out to me with that kind of message because like clearly right. I'm not the right person. Of course. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Oh, so this has been a really interesting conversation. Any other thoughts? Any other advice? No. No, I, you know, I think there's a lot of folks out there that are just trying to understand all of this stuff. I, it, it, it happens in, in client success too, right? Where we're just trying to understand um, how to get in somebody's inbox when you want to cross sell, upsell, or just even like make sure they're getting the value out of the product. And I think everybody's just trying to figure out how to uh, make sure that you're building a good relationship there. And um we are, I, I'd say like this community of, of people like marketing operations professionals in general definitely has a unique purview on the buying cycle. Um, and I, if, I don't know if I was, uh, anyone listening to this as a practitioner in this field, I would love your, you know, feedback and in, like throw it in Slack, DM me on LinkedIn or whatever. But if I was a salesperson, like, I don't know. Maybe next that's that's the that's the thing. That's our hack, folks. Everyone who's listening to this, if you get an outreach today <laughs> or in the next like three days and you're thinking about it, it's top of mind. Just like bookmark this episode and send it to them. <laughs> see what see if it works. If you if you agree with this, right? Uh, but if not, tell us why and let's all keep talking about it. Yeah, well, may, or maybe or maybe we need to ask our audience to start. Uh, this might actually be kind of a funny one, but capture the best and worst of those kinds of outreaches or communications. And then we could do like dramatic readings of those or something. Oh yeah. We could do a whole episode of like super dramatic, dramatized, like email outreach campaigns. Uh, That'd be fun. That would be be fun. fun. Yeah. All right. So, uh, 
for those of you who are in are selling to to uh, to marketing apps pros and you're listening to this, hopefully this is going to be helpful for you because we all want this process to be better. For the marketing apps folks, listeners, our main audience, uh, hopefully uh, you're not going to pillory us for this, but um, again, hopefully this is going to be something that will help all of our experiences. We're going out and assessing vendors and building our tech stacks and whatnot. All right. Well, Amen. as always, uh, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, send us feedback, send us ideas for topics and guests. If you want to be a guest, let me know. Reach out to me, Michael Hartman, uh, either through the Slack community on the MoPros or on LinkedIn. Um, with that, uh, enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are. Bye, everybody.